Welcome to Mind Mastery Education. This is your host, Drew, and welcome, welcome to ADH Greg. Hello, Greg. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, good, man. I'm Although, glad. I'm uh, glad. I'm different. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It's like 1:45 p.m. for me. <laughs> it's 18:45 for me. Yeah, much later for you. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to briefly uh, introduce ADH Greg. Um, <laughs> Greg has been a huge. Uh, inspiration to me um, going through TikTok and reviewing, you know, a bunch of different people and content creators with AD- with ADHD or talking about ADHD. Um, Greg really captivated me from the first video that I saw because when he explained things, he explained them and I understood them. A lot of people that are doing this are not neurodivergent and have trouble explaining like like I would understand, right? They they what I like to call normal people explain and we don't work that way, right? So when I watch <laughs> those videos, I it, I just don't grasp them, but Greg was so very detailed and so very, you know, um he just went over exactly what I was feeling almost as he was talking about these different subjects and I just had to reach out to him and see if he was willing to kind of even just talk because a lot of people on TikTok don't even like talking. <laughs> but Greg was super, you know, just very friendly. He, you know, welcomed me in very, very quickly. And so I asked him to be part of the podcast and he said yes right away. He didn't even think about it really. He just said yes. And <laughs> so welcome, Greg. And I love that impulse. <laughs> right? Yeah, just bang, let's go. <laughs> We're going to do a series of three episodes. Greg may come back in the future. Who who knows? We're basically going to record the first three episodes of Mind Mastery Education. Maybe some solo um, some solo content, just going over different um, experiences that I've had with my ADHD from childhood until uh, recently. But without further ado, let's go ahead and kind of get started. So our first segment is for those of you that are very new. Um, or still learning about ADHD, um, I wanted to start off slow and give you guys a little bit of insight first before we just rip right into, you know, like ODD and all these different crazy things that, you know, come with ADHD. Um, so let's let's go ahead and start small, Greg. Um, let's start with fundamental questions. Okay. <laughs> so... Can you explain to me what ADHD is and how it's typically diagnosed? So from what I understand and have experienced, ADHD is a neurodivergence. It's a, it's a, essentially your brain is different from quote unquote normal brains. Um, For the most part, it's hereditary. So you don't really get much of a say in it. It just happens. Um, And at its basis, the ADHD brain does not absorb 
uh, dopamine at the rate that a human being probably should. Um, but it does allow certain uh, differences in thought processes. So people with ADHD tend to think uh, differently to other people in as much as we naturally problem solve. And not just that we can problem solve, it's that we are driven to do so. Our brain wants to solve problems. It wants to get involved and figure out a better way for a thing to happen, um, which is where I think a lot of us maybe annoy certain work certain jobs because we don't want to do it the way they wrote it down on a piece of paper not that we want to be you know dicks about it but because their way is not the most efficient because we've seen it from a different angle and that has a lot to do with the fact that a lot of us especially adult diagnosed adhd is we've uh, we've problem solved our entire lives without realizing why so it feels like it feels like it's part of your personality which i guess to a degree it probably is but it's because of the neurodivergence. So our brains don't process dopamine correctly. So we try and find dopamine in other ways. And success is a big thing for a lot of us. Achieving a goal gives us dopamine. It gives everybody dopamine, but we need it. We're <laughs> hungry for it. We're desperate for dopamine. So we will chase that dopamine hit in many ways, uh, healthily and unhealthily, through the achievement of goals. Um, but at its core, dopamine is... That's dopamine. ADHD is a dopamine deficient brain attempting to function on its reserves of, on its, the smallest reserves of dopamine it can find. Um, it is characterized as attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It is more accurately attention directionless hyperactivity. Mm, I don't like the word disorder, but we're, we're different. Essentially, we our energy reserves are very um, all over the place. We can't just access energy. Uh, we tend to get bursts of it or we tend to get nothing. Um, and our attention is not a deficit. In fact, we maybe have too much of it. We can't focus our attention. Everything that interests us gets our attention. The problem is we can't have everything <laughs> at once. So it's difficult to focus. But um, it's in the same, research is now suggesting it's in the same family as autism and bipolar, like we're cousins, you know? Um, so it's all part of that. It's all part of a brain that was born different from normal and uh, is attempting to function in a normal society as best it can. Yeah, exactly. It's some, some society that wasn't built for people in that realm of you know slight yeah. difference um and i say slight because some people don't have that huge divergence like some do right some have it really strong compared to others but you know some some people can get through their whole life without even knowing that they have it yeah. and others just can't because it, it's so strong in them right yeah, it's, well, it's a spectrum disorder. So uh, we used to think it was you have a lot of it or you have a little bit of it, like with autism. But actually, no, it's it's you have it, yes or no. And then where in that spectrum are your symptoms? Where are you? Where are your strengths and weaknesses, as it were? I don't like the, the terms, but you know what I mean? Where, you know, are you good at paying attention? Are you good at social situations? Are you bad at timekeeping? So it's that sort of function. So it's, it's really more of a circle than a straight line. 
All right. I really like that answer, though. It, it really explains quite simply for something that's very complex. You've, you've broken it down quite a bit for, for people that maybe don't understand it yet or are still working to understand it. So I think that's why a lot of people gravitate to your videos is because it's just you break it down so easily compared to somebody that's neurotypical, I guess, where they, they have trouble explaining something they don't have. Yeah, I find that's the case with a lot of the creators, you know, fair credit to them for trying to bring awareness. Absolutely. And, and I hope they continue. But uh, if you if you can't explain it simply, you don't understand it well enough. And if you don't live it, I, while I appreciate people trying to bring that awareness, I think the people who have ADHD, there's a credibility there that you can't just manufacture because if you have it, you know what it feels like. And that's like a, that's like a reach out to people, guys, girls, anybody with ADHD, if you've had experiences in your life, um, we want to hear about them. Like we want to, we want to understand more about it. You know, we're, we're, me and Greg are not perfect. We, we don't know everything about ADHD at all, but with your help, we can help other people understand it more and help professionals that have specializations in this stuff that are probably also neurodivergent to some degree, um, help yep. us explain it to others, right? Because a lot of people just don't understand or don't believe. And I mean, that's never going to change. There's always going to be people that don't want to believe or understand. They just want to be ignorant to the fact, which, hey, whatever, I'm, I'm not going to try and control you. But... Okay, this is a good one, too. Um, how does ADHD manifest differently in adults compared to children? Oh, that one's <laughs> fun. You see, boredom, from my personal experience, boredom is a curse. I hate being bored. But as a child, I could use my imagination and my hyperactivity to go and, you know, hang out with myself and run around the garden and talk to my dogs and, you know... Because you're a kid, you don't have the responsibilities, you don't have the structure around you that you need to have as a grown-up. So you can kind of cut loose. I mean, sure, at school, you've got a little bit of structure, but once you get home as a kid, hey, you do what you want, right? For the most part, you just do yep. whatever you want. Um, as an adult, there are expectations, many of them. And while work is a structure, being a being a living, breathing adult is a structure in and of itself, right? Wandering around the world, all this etiquette and expectation, and it can it can weigh down quite heavily on on your your psyche, as it were. I find that uh, ADHD adults get to understand their symptoms a lot faster because they manifest so much more aggressively. When I was a kid, I didn't realize I had ADHD. I was diagnosed. I didn't even realize. I didn't know. I didn't remember. Because what did I care? I was a kid. So I, I ran around and, 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 you know, played Star Wars with a broomstick or whatever. I didn't really have to think too much about what was expected of me. And then you get a job <laughs> and you start, you know, going to college and trying to buy a house and trying to get married. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm really not having a good time with this. Why is this so hard? After a while, you start to go, well, that's because all of my symptoms are at full bore all at the same time. 
I can't differentiate which problem I have to deal with first. So the hyperactivity manifests itself internally because as a grown-up, you can't run around like a crazy person doing backflips. So you start to manifest as inattentive because you're constantly hyperactive in your brain. So it becomes difficult to function in what society expects of you because your symptoms are so aggressive now, especially if you're undiagnosed for too long. If you don't know you have it, you're, you're living with these symptoms and probably feeling a lot of negativity, a lot of self-guilt, a lot of guilt from other people. Like, why can't you be like everybody else? Because well, I'm not like everybody else, but I didn't know that. So it, it, I think as an adult, it becomes more difficult because the expectations are so high, because the systems in place to make society function are not exactly conducive to a neurodivergent brain. Yeah, that's fair. And like, as a kid, like you said, like, I was able to just run free, use my imagination. I remember so many times as a kid, and I didn't even know until I got diagnosed, but I would just sit in my room play with my cars on my little car's carpet and do my thing. And other kids didn't really do that. They would go play hockey with their friends and they would go do this and that, go biking and all that stuff. And I was more content just sitting in my room using my imagination and playing, you know, with toys and whatever, because it was comfortable and quiet to me. It was, you know, something where I could escape all the noise, which I didn't realize till much later was a big problem for me, especially in classroom, was I, I was so distracted by all the, just alone, just the classroom noises, never mind the other students and, you know, other stuff going on at the school, like the PA going off in the middle of the class and all these different things completely distracting you from, you know, what you're trying to learn. So I, I definitely, definitely feel that to my core. That what are some lesser known aspects of ADHD that people might not be aware of? Well, I think the, the sensory processing is a big one that I, I was completely unaware was happening to me until I started to look into it. Like sensory processing is the one that's really sort of stuck with me. So like, um, you know, people have, some people have trouble with the clothes they wear. I'm, I'm one of them. I can't do tags. I can't do, uh, scratchy fabrics. I can't do things that are too hot, too cold, too thick, too thin. You know, it, and it was one of those things where I was like, I like this T-shirt, and like previous partners are like, why that one? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I just know that this one, this is the one. Right. Over time, I learned that that's because I need my clothes to feel a certain way. Otherwise, I can't. I, I mean, this is the thing. I can function. I just don't enjoy anything right. about it. But sound became a big one for me, and I didn't realize how important that was. Like, music is not a problem. I'll go to a gig and listen to music so deafening it makes your ears bleed, but I'm right. happy. But you put a, a reverse alarm going for too long, or the sounds of crowds of people for too long, and it just, I can feel it boring through my skull. I can't, I can't do it. I can't keep hearing it, but it's rude to put headphones on in social <laughs> situations. So I was like, well, I can't drown all of you out but i also can't tell any of you to shut the hell up right. so it became one of those things where i was like am i just a am i just a douche am i just a bad dude and over time with more learning i realized no it's not it's not them it's the noises they're making right i can't have that noise for too long because it doesn't 
my brain doesn't filter it like a regular person's brain would filter it. My brain goes, it's noise. We're absorbing it. We don't like it, but we're absorbing it anyway. Like, okay, great. So how do I get you to stop absorbing it? Like, I don't know. Stick your fingers in your ears, whatever. I think that was one of the, the big ones for me. And it, it was something of a lesser known aspect. It's becoming more and more sort of clear now. But at first, there were a lot of people who were like, oh, my God, that, that is a thing I struggle with. You're like, yeah. Some people, some people smell, which is funny. I, I don't think it's ever been smell for me. Uh, like, don't get me wrong. I don't like every smell <laughs> on earth, but it doesn't overwhelm me. Whereas, but then I think maybe that's a coping mechanism in and of itself because I had dogs growing up. Animals tend to smell. Um, you know, I've got cats now. They tend to smell mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, and I'm also, you know, not to, not to advertise, but I'm also a smoker, which lowers your ability to smell as intensely. And I think that kind of helped. Now, whether that sensitivity is being overridden by those things or whether I just don't have it, that's a different right. argument. But a lot of people are coming forward now, especially on my comments and stuff, and going, no, I have a sensitivity to this and that and this. And some of them are, for me, very odd and obscure. Yeah. And I was like, wow, you, you took this long before you realized you don't like cotton. Yeah. Me, for me, I knew that I had an issue with it when I was a kid. I just didn't know why. But as an mm. example, like my mom used to wear nylons when she would wear a dress and the feel, I can literally hear the feeling in my head of nylon and it gives me the ick. Like I literally have goosebumps yeah. just thinking about it. Like it's disgusting. And that, that feeling was literally like a drill going through my head. I hated it. It was the worst yeah. feeling on earth. And, uh, t-shirts and clothes in general i i am the same when you did that yeah. video about um your shirt and you you having it like you know specific shirts that you like i died laughing because i was like this is me 100 percent, this is me i literally have a set of polo shirts that i wear that i used to wear for work because i was not work from home for the longest time and it's a specific material that i lo love very much it's very comfortable to me and it's not tight on me so it doesn't constrict me yeah. and it just kind of floats and stays on there and those types of clothes are my favorite because they don't i don't feel constricted and they're not heavy so yeah. i don't get hot i'm a very like cool. i'm a furnace by nature already so anything really yeah. thick i would just overheat and i would lose my shit like almost instantly so i definitely feel that one <laughs> well in all my videos you'll see me wearing something that has a brain on it so that's, that's a company called Attentive Apparel, and I discovered them while I was on my journey of understanding ADHD. And I have enough T-shirts from them now that I, I only wear them every day. <laughs> They're so your wardrobe. <laughs> literally just change it day by day. Yeah, so I've got, I've got eight T-shirts from them now, which means I now have one for every day and a spare. Because it, apart from the t-shirt in that video that I'm wearing, which is the Three Doors Down band t-shirt that's so thin it's basically falling off me, um, they're the only other t-shirts that I, I genuinely can wear. Now, if I have to wear other clothes, don't get me wrong, I'll do it. But I kind of got to pre prep myself mentally. Whereas, you know, crack a door and I'm getting up for work, I'm not reaching for any t-shirt that doesn't have a brain logo on the front. Because I know if I put this on, I don't have to think about this anymore. The bandwidth is freed up for other things. Yeah, and uh, I'm trying to remember the creator that I watched the other day on TikTok where they were talking about the spoons. Did you see that video? I've seen videos about spoons before. Okay, so basically she's explaining that 
the spoons are, are, are bandwidth, and she's holding, like, six spoons. And she says, you know, one is your attention, one is, you know, your, you know, sensory, all this stuff. And she's starting to hold all these spoons in her hand, basically saying, like, when you're at work, you only got one free one, and sometimes you don't have a free one at all, because you got all this stuff going yeah. on, and, you know, you're, you're, you're already overloaded. Uh, but, you know, but when you're home and you get home from work, those spoons don't refresh themselves. They don't clean themselves. You know, you, 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 no. you have to wait till the next day for them to be clean again. So, like, you know, you might struggle with doing things after you're done work because you've used up all your spoons. And that actually really hit me a little bit. And the visualization, because I'm a very visual person, um, when she explained that to me in spoons, I was like, holy crap, I get it. So my wife taught me spoon theory when we met years and years ago. Um, and it used to be a way of describing chronic pain. So my wife suffered with chronic pain for a long time. And it was that description of because you have chronic pain, you know, people who don't have chronic pain have 400 spoons a day. But people with chronic pain have 10. And getting out of bed hurts. So that's one. Getting dressed hurts. So that's two. And before you know it, You've made it most of the way through your morning and you've run out of spoons, but you are expected to continue existing, um, and which was a big thing for me because I, I didn't understand chronic pain on her level. So that really opened my eyes to what she was really going through. And then we've noticed that, yeah, when it comes to neurodivergency, um, it's become part of that now as well, which is, you know, because our brains can only do so much we have spoons. And again, it's that same understanding of a neurotypical gets 400 spoons a day and a neurodivergent gets 10. Because it is hard work sometimes to do simple things like having a bath, like, you know, cleaning your laundry. That's a spoon because it takes so much energy, so much more energy than it should. But yeah, spoon theory became a big thing and it's now sort of as it were bleeding into the neurodivergent space. And I think it's a genius way to Yeah, explain. I like I don't consider myself stupid by any means, but like when it comes to theoretical stuff, I'm not, you know, I'm not the most advanced person when it comes to all these different theories, but visualizing it with those spoons, I was like, holy crap, I actually get it. Like I, it, it actually clicked in my head for once. So I think, yeah, if you ever watch, if you ever watch any of if my wife's Perry Bell on Perry.Bell on, um, on tiktok it's her voice behind the camera yeah. <laughs> but if you ever watch one of her videos you'll see on one of her wrists is a tattoo of a spoon oh okay specifically for that. Mm. yeah I, yeah, spoon theory yeah i was i was actually blown away by it like it actually i was like holy crap it actually makes sense <laughs> all right let's move on to segment two let's get to know greg a little bit more okay. <laughs> all right well what do you want to know i'm, I'm pretty much an open book yeah guys. and i think you've done a couple videos about this but for the people that haven't seen your videos yet and guys if you're not following adh greg on tiktok please do so um he is an awesome person and literally you'll watch your first video and you'll understand so much more right away um but greg let's talk about your journey like your your journey so far um can you tell us about your personal journey with ADHD and, you know, when did you first realize you had it and just kind of that, just.
Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of roundabout, actually. So um, I was going through, I'll, anyway, I'll be completely open and honest, but um, heads up, slight trigger warning, guys. I'm going to be as honest as I can. Um, and some of this stuff is a bit painful. All right. Everybody ready? Okay, cool. Here we go. So I'd say about a year ago, um, I could feel myself starting to struggle quite badly. Um, I think a year previously, I thought I had depression, like clinical depression. I went to a, a GP who had uh, diagnosed, he said, yeah, you got anxiety and depression, here's some antidepressants. And they made me significantly worse. Like, I know it says that this can exacerbate your symptoms, but this, you know, a guy being depressed and then suddenly a guy becoming suicidal, I feel like that's a big step. Mm -hmm. I feel like medication probably shouldn't be doing that to me. So um, I dumped off the meds and, you know, my wife and I tried to improve things at home and things got better. And then I'd say beginning of this year, things got much, much, much worse. And we really struggled, like a lot. Um, and it was a really dark time for me mentally. Um, I, I, I think I felt worse than I'd ever felt ever in my entire life. I became exceptionally suicidal. Like, instead of thinking about it, I was starting to really think about it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so it was starting to become a real problem. So uh, we finally decided, we had a very serious conversation. Either we put the work in and try and save our marriage and our mental health, or we quit. And I think that was enough of a, a scare for me to contact the therapist. So I started doing therapy, which was like, I can't recommend it enough. Like we started from childhood with the therapy and my God, the, the wounds that it opens, but the, the healing it gives you is just something else. So that started to help. And in that journey, I called my mother because I'd started watching TikTok and I'd started seeing some amazing creators like uh, uh, there's a guy called Chris ADHD, it's Happiness in Movement One. He's brilliant. There's uh, Neuro Nush, for those of you who have come across her, brilliant. And obviously Attentive Apparel, they were talking about their journey as well. So that started to make me go, hang on, this all sounds awfully familiar. Um, this was, I'd say, seven, maybe eight months ago. So I called my mother. Because uh, so I was raised by a single mom. She's a nurse. And I had a vague memory that I had seen a doctor as a child, like it was serious. Um, so I called my mom. I said, listen, um, what was I seeing a doctor for when I was a kid? She said, oh, when you were five, your school got fed up with your hyperactivity and your nonsense. And they, they demanded that I take you to a child psychologist. And he diagnosed you with ADHD. And I was like, uh, okay. Okay, that would have been nice to know sooner. Okay, sure, great, thanks, mom. And then she went on, oh, and and then we took you back when you were eight, because um, you, we had put you on Ritalin when you were five, and you, well, for lack of a better term, you hurt yourself, you punched yourself repeatedly, like you wanted to feel something, like the Ritalin was numbing you, so you wanted to feel. She said, "I think you used to hit the same spot on your leg over and over and over." Now this. This is where it sort of devastated me because I've had leg pain my entire life. I had no idea why. I couldn't figure out what was wrong because I was a relatively fit and healthy human being. I'd never hurt my legs before. Um, and it turns out I caused nerve damage as a child. So I was like, all right, thanks, mom. So um, what happened with the Ritalin thing? She said, we took you off the Ritalin, obviously, because you were hurting yourself. Um, and then they demanded I get you re-diagnosed so at eight, eight years old. 
I, we had you re-diagnosed for ADHD. I was like, cool, cool. I'm 35, mom. Would have been nice to have known this just a little bit sooner. And that was sort of the glass shattering moment of, holy shit, I have ADHD. Wait, but I thought only little boys could get ADHD and they grew out of it. So I went on a bit of a research run. Turns out, no, little boys are not the only people who can get ADHD. Everyone can, but you don't catch it. You're born with it and you don't grow out of it. You have a neurodivergence. You can't just grow out of it. That's not how that works. Um, but I had a, a real imposter syndrome issue. So one day on this journey, I got really angry and said, you know what, screw it. I'm going to make a TikTok video because I've been wanting to make a TikTok video for two years about anything, anything at all, because I loved seeing all these creatives. Um, and uh, I was like, but I'm, I'm scared. I don't know what to do. And my wife went, I know what to do. And she went, hey, great, <laughs> and filmed my reaction. And that's literally been it ever since. I, I don't know what she's going to ask. I know it's going to be about ADHD. But I have no idea what the form of the question is going to be. My, my reactions are genuine. It's the only thing I, you know, imposter syndrome and, and we're our, our own worst critics, mm -hmm. right? So I don't have, I don't always have a very high opinion of what I'm doing. Sometimes I feel like I'm a fraud. But the thing I do love about it is that is, that is a genuine, honest reaction. I don't have any prep. I don't know what's coming, which is why sometimes you see me, I don't I see me uh, sort of feeling a bit weird because I feel like I'm treading the same ground mm -hmm. again. Like if my answer feels like it's very similar to an answer I've already given, I feel a bit odd yeah. about it. So you can almost see like behind the eyes, I'm sort of squirming a little bit. Like I don't really want to repeat myself too much because then I feel like I've run out of fresh ideas right. as it were. But I think I'm still judging myself from a creative point of view, whereas what I'm trying to do is inform right. and sometimes you repeat yeah. yourself, right? When you're educating, you don't, if the, if the thing you're trying to teach is right, you'll say it more yeah, than once. Absolutely. Right? But as for like who I am, I was born in South Africa. Um, so I, I spent the first 13 years of my life in South Africa, um, South African mom, uh, with African grandparents, technically, my grandmother's Scottish, but whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, my dad's English. So my, my mom and dad split up when I was a kid. Um, we're not going into that. <laughs> and uh, he moved back to England. Uh, so when I was gearing up for high school, um, which is what South Africans, Americans and Canadians call it, and uh, <laughs> the British do not call it that. But uh, when I was gearing up for high school, my mom basically said, listen, um, your dad would like you to live with him. You, I mean, it's up to you. Um, you can either carry on doing high school here in South Africa with your friends, or you can, you know, go to England and see what happens. And I, you know, little me was like, you know what? I think I'll go to England. Um, and that's sort of been that process now as I've been living in England since I was a kid. I tried going back a few times, but that's a different story for a different <laughs> day. Um, and yeah, I've been here ever since. So I think the choices I made, whether I like them or not, led me to where I am. And I think it's going quite well. I think now it's going quite well. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just point that <laughs> out. It's currently going well. Hey, I really appreciate you being so open and honest um, on the podcast. We really appreciate that about you and, you know, with your videos being so genuine, right? You have that genuine, like, baffled look when she says, hey, Greg. 
because you don't know it's coming and you go huh <laughs> what's going on <laughs> and i gotta tell you sometimes she really surprises <laughs> me like like there have been a few videos where i'm definitely very much engrossed in something yeah. else and she's like hey greg i'm like oh god pause <laughs> this pause this holy shit need to answer a question <laughs> i think the one that got me the most was i guess you were on a walk doing some shopping and coming into the door and she says, Hey Greg. And I was yeah. like, Oh shit. And she's not even waiting. She's just going for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I'm surprised. Like I'm surprised I even heard her. Cause I have my headphones. Yeah. On. You have your headphones on uh, and you're like, huh? <laughs> take them off. You must've caught me between songs because if my, if a track was playing, I wouldn't have heard it. Right. So my question about, the hey greg and it's it's such a tagline for you because it's literally the beginning of every video but are there ever any times where perry says hey greg and you're like not today there have been two um one we did follow up because so basically we made a deal with each other pretty early on that we weren't going to shy away from the ugly parts yep. of this because it does get ugly. And, and as much as I want to be the optimist, and I am, um, I am also realist enough to know that this, this shit gets hard. Yeah. So I, I came home a couple of weeks back, um, and it, out of nowhere, I, I think I was taking my, my bag off, I was getting ready to talk to my cats, you know, out of nowhere, I had a full-blown panic attack. Now, I haven't had a panic attack in years. I have anxiety attacks right. a lot, but a full-blown, like, cannot function panic attack. And I was, I'd, I'd have, you know, Perry was helping me through that panic attack, and then it, it looked like it was fading. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, there's a, there's a resultant physical effect. Yeah. So, she, she, I mean, I'm not mad about it. I'm, she quite rightly tried to capture the moment as it was yeah. fading, which I thought was a really good idea. So she opened the camera and, hey, Greg. Um, and I, she was like, do you think you can talk through this? And I was like, no. She's like, do you want me to stop filming? And I was like, yes, please. And I think about an hour or two later was the video where I was, was talking about the panic attack. So it was like part of me was still going, I still want to show the ugliness. But in this exact moment, I right. can't. I, I can't function. I can't bring a sentence together. The only other time... I think I had some, some shoddy news or something on my way home and I came home and I just said to her, like, tonight, don't don't try yeah. a video. Like like not in a like no, you know, just a preemptive kind of, of a, you know, like this is yeah. where I'm at. Let's not bother. And now it's sort of become a thing where we almost take breaks sort of without having to talk about it. Like last night I didn't record anything. Um because we just we were enjoying each other's company and we didn't really want to interrupt that with the video so we just don't now but in the early days i i thought that i had to make content every single day and that kind of burnout would just make the whole thing crumble yeah. so we've now gotten to a point where we're like yeah some days we just won't yeah that that makes sense honestly and like even though like i've done i want to say i've done a video almost every day since i started doing this but I, I did notice myself the other day, just not, not that I'm sick of it, but I was like, oh my God, like another one. And, but it was yeah. because something came up in my head and that's usually how I do it is, you know, some, Ooh. some sort of ADHD type question kind of rolls around in my brain and it pisses me off enough that I'm like, you know what? I need to do research about this. 
because I don't know. And then yeah. I create a video about it. But um, that day I, I was like having the ultimate executive dysfunction and I just, I couldn't. I was like, you know what? I, today's not the day. So I, I didn't record that day. And honestly, the next day I felt so much better. I, I gave myself time to rest right. and like wind down a bit. Yeah. That's the thing, like, and, and that's, I think that's a very important thing for not only other creators to hear, but for fans to hear, especially fans who have neurodivergence or believe they might have neurodivergence. Like, at the end of the day, we're not healed, we're not cured, and we will struggle. And it's important for people like us and for, for everyone else to also know that if you feel like you got to take a day off, take a yeah, day off. Absolutely. It's not going anywhere not going to suddenly not have a TikTok because I didn't do a video that day. If you keep pouring your blood out on the floor for other people, you will run yeah, out of blood. Absolutely. You need that. So it's, yeah, it, it, it was a learning curve for me too. Like at first I thought if I stop like a shark, if I stop swimming, yeah. I'll die. Turns out, no, people will just come back the next day and go, well, he didn't upload a video on Wednesday, but I guess there'll be one on Thursday. Hey, look, there's Greg, you know, like it's not, and that's, I think that's the good thing about these types of communities is they tend to be made up of neurodivergence. So they tend to think with that empathy and they tend to think in the same styles that we do, which is they had executive dysfunction that day. So they didn't exactly. make it. Exactly. Oh, well. Yeah. It, honestly, that's the thing, right? Is, is our communities are more adaptable in that regard where they can understand where we're coming from a little bit better yeah. um, that way. So definitely... That's definitely clear to me. Um, all right, let's let's finish up segment two, and then we'll take a quick break. Um, so we already talked about the biggest challenges, but maybe what are your biggest triumphs that you've had um, through your ADHD journey so far? Um, I think our impulsiveness and our... Um, no, there's no other way to put this. Our impulsiveness, our impulsiveness and our fuck you attitude make us very productive. When the moment takes itself and you start running with an idea, you keep running. It's quite amazing, actually. And I think, I think learn, the more we learn, the more we let ourselves off the hook a little. So that's, that's the thing. That's why I'm so sort of protective of this community is the more the community starts to teach each other, the more f the community itself forgives each other. And people start to actually feel self-love and they start to heal. And I think it's quite an amazing thing to have, especially for people sort of our age that have grown up in a, in a world that probably doesn't help us heal all that well, to then start healing independently, almost like we found a secret, no one's looking. It's really quite empowering to do, but I think um, the empathy is probably the aspect of ADHD that is is currently doing all the heavy lifting, because it really is like so enriching and so forgiving to just see all these other people. And yes, we all have ADHD or autism or bipolar, but we have our uniqueness and our little quirks that are part of that that are not the adhd that's personality and to see this many personalities all sort of feel together it's really quite um it's inspiring it's it's probably the the current reason why i keep making these videos 
is because I know somebody out there is going to see that and go, I feel so much better. I feel less alone. I feel seen. I'm like, all I'm doing is talking, but if that's going to help you heal, then geez, I've done my part. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm one of those people because before watching your videos, I was struggling a bit and I'll be, I'll be blatantly honest. Like I was struggling just in general with how my brain works and not understanding it enough. And we'll talk about my journey a little bit later, but as a kid, I was diagnosed at like, I was in grade two. So I was probably what, like six or seven and nothing was done about it after. Like it was, you're diagnosed and then for a little bit after that, like nothing really changed. But then thankfully my mom got involved and, you know, was having meetings with the school, trying to, you know, figure out things that could help me. And luckily when I was going through school, there was a new program that they put me into, which actually saved me from not passing school. Like they had, it was called, um, in French, it was a, I'm trying to remember the terminology, educative program, like individual educative program, essentially, is what it, it translates to. Um, and I had a specific teacher that was assigned to essentially the neurodivergence at the school. We were, we were like five kids in our whole school of like 300 kids. And sometimes you felt singled out, but at the same time you were like, man, this is actually helping. So I don't really care what other people think, but it was a struggle sometimes because there was bullies and the bullies were always like, haha, you're getting pulled out of class, blah, blah, blah. Like always, you know, making fun of it and that kind of thing. And I always thought I was like, yeah, well, if you were having trouble, you would want help too. Right. Like, why are you you making fun of me for for trying to get help? Um, And honestly, that teacher that helped me from grade 2 until grade 11, essentially, she pushed me all the way almost through high school. So having that really helped me. But after school, it was like I started fresh again. Cause I, I didn't have anybody. Right. It was literally like yeah. my mom didn't know how to deal with it. She's just a regular person that doesn't have the education behind her to do any of that. I tried to go to college. That was a miserable failure because I couldn't pay attention long enough to learn anything. Right. So I yeah. definitely, I definitely feel that where it's like, okay, well there's a lot of dark sides and a lot of negatives, but there's some really big positives. Like you said, that fuck you attitude that literally was my grade 12 year. I told everybody, fuck you. And I pushed through it myself. I did it all myself. And everybody was like, Oh, he's not going to make it through 12th grade. Like there's no way he has no help. And I pushed through and I fucking beat the shit out of grade 12. And you know, I made it through and everybody was like, Holy crap, he can do it. And it was almost, it was almost one of those things where I was like, I need to prove myself. I need to prove to everybody else 
that you guys are wrong about me, right? So that was that was my my initial struggle at the beginning of learning about my ADHD. But I, literally, no no education whatsoever about ADHD throughout my throughout my schooling because it was still so new. Nobody had any freaking idea about ADHD at all. They were just like, "Yeah, you have it. Um, good luck." <laughs> good luck. <laughs> So I, one of the things I really needed to learn recently, and it, it, it took a bit of work, actually, I did have some, some pretty angry moments. Like, my mom did what the school asked, took me to a doctor, doctor says I got ADHD, and she did what, what they requested, Ritalin and so on and so forth. It didn't work, and she decided to stop listening to stupid doctors. I mean, she's a nurse, and she probably has the uh, authority to say stuff like that. But um, afterwards, there was nothing. You know, because back then in, in you know, 90s Johannesburg, um, they probably still believed quite aggressively that he'll grow out of it. And I never did. The thing is, I think at first, when I first started having that conversation with my mother about like relearning all of this stuff and re relearning my childhood, I think I was mad. I think I was angry about it. Like, why didn't you do more? You had a proper diagnosis. And then I sort of analyzed it and was like, well, now, if it was today, I could be mad about that. Thirty years ago, in in you know, just coming out of the apartheid era, Johannesburg, like South Africa was not equipped for anything. People didn't understand ADHD at all, and my mom was doing the best she could with what she had. And I briefly, I was really angry yeah. at her. And then I was like, actually, nobody would have been able to help. Like we wanted them to. Don't get me wrong. We wish our childhoods could have been different. But who was going to teach us? You know, Russell Barkley wasn't making YouTube videos. Exactly. We didn't have TikTok, you know, like nobody knew that this had become so prevalent. Okay, sure, there had been quite a few doctors 200 years ago that had already warned us about stuff like this, but in books, right. which are not, you know, it's not the internet. You can't just Google that stuff, especially in the 90s. There was, nobody had internet in the 90s. Well, not in South Africa. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so I think it was sort of going through that self-reflection and going, well, yeah, it would have been nice. But how? How would they have been able to help me? Who, You know, the Ritalin didn't work, which was the only weapon they had at the time. And nobody fully understood neurodivergence as it is now. I mean, Rain Man was the only view anybody had of autism, and that couldn't be more screwed up in terms of how it portrays autism. So, like, we, people were doing the best they could with in an age just before the age of information, just before the explosion of the Internet. So, like, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people are still quite angry that they got diagnosed as adults and nobody helped them as kids. But I think it, it helps to look back and say, I mean, you could have been in the most advanced country in the world in 1992. That doesn't mean you'd have gotten anything out of it. We didn't know. We didn't try hard enough to learn it. So us poor kids, yeah, it sucked. But what happened happened and could not have happened any other way. Now, as adults, we get to sort of remake our lives and we get to move forward with what we know. But I think a lot of us get angry that our childhoods were so dismissive. And you're like, yeah, but what other option did they have? I mean, if we go like if we ever go through like um, like uh, myths and legends about ADHD, a lot of that stuff is going to be from the <laughs> 90s or from the late 80s. And it's like, well, they they literally didn't know yeah. any better. And now, thankfully, we do. And imagine what we'll know tomorrow. Exactly. You know? 
All right, Greg. Well, thank you so much for this information. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back for segment three, uh, which will be just some uh, last, you know, basic questions about ADHD, and we'll wrap up this episode. Cool. And we're back. All right. <laughs> All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Mind Mastery Education. It is segment three of episode one. All right. Let's wrap up episode one with a couple of basic ADHD questions or fundamentals. Um, just to kind of wrap up our first segment of Mind Mastery. So, Greg, um, how can ADHD impact daily life, both in a positive and negative way? Okay, wow. Um, so, task paralysis is a massive negative I think a lot of us struggle with, which is the... We characterize it as our brain wants to do 20 things, but it can't because nobody can so it freezes it's like it can't figure out which um which task to do first so instead of doing three of those 20 it does none and you sort of you mentally freeze and you can't it's paralysis you can't pick which task you need to do um that's one of the big ones that i i struggle with um the more I think about hyperfocus, the more I think it's a positive. So for for me, the hyperfocus leads me down rabbit holes of information gathering, which is great for learning anything, especially if you're learning about your ADHD, right? Um, so that one, I think that one, yeah, hyperfocus can be a negative because you get lost in these rabbit holes for a while and you can't really be pulled out of them. You kind of have to stop on your own. But um I think that outweighs the fact that the amount of stuff that your brain can gather and hold and remember, it, it sort of, it, it, it might as well be a superpower. Again, I, I don't like calling them superpowers, but the more I hyperfocus, the more I think it is one of the most useful tools of a neurodivergent brain. Yeah, it's actually, it's funny that you say the word superpower because I've used that term before and, and actually watching one of your last videos, you talked about not liking that term and why and i actually thought of it after and said you know what it's almost portraying everything about adhd is awesome when you say that adhd is a superpower which it's really not because not everything about adhd is positive right there there are a lot of things that are you know negatives or difficulties that we experience with ADHD, but there are a few things like the hyperfocus, which I a thousand percent agree with you, is one of my best features of ADHD because I can literally sit and just hyperfocus and learn about a subject in the matter of no time. Like it's it's crazy how much information I can cram when I'm hyperfocusing. Yeah. I've literally done full thirteen week courses in eight hours. Because I've crammed yep. so much information in my head that, like, 
I was, and not just like basic, this is like everything, like passing a course that's supposed to take you 13 Ooh. weeks, do it in eight hours. Let's go. Right. Just hyper-focus the crap out of it and just learn everything you need to know just because your brain is so interested in it. It's fascinated and it wants to keep going. Right. Like that's, that's, that's awesome. Pretty, that's, that's like, I'm, I'm still sort of on the fence about the term superpower because I think it's been used by sort of neurotypicals to sort of soften the blow in a really condescending yeah. way. Like, oh, don't worry, you have superpowers. Like, no, we don't. But when you use examples of hyperfocus like that and you say, well, this was supposed to take weeks and it didn't. And these are aspects of information I have. And I don't just have the basic fundamentals of this concept. I can explain it to you in intricate detail and understand it and help you understand it after only reading it for a few hours it would be difficult not to call that a superpower right. so it's i think i think hyperfocus definitely could fall into the superpower category whereas you know rsd and time management and and task paralysis and sensory issues i wouldn't call any of that oh, a God, superpower. No. <laughs> but i do i do find that our ability to size up a situation or adapt so quickly in a crisis i think when you really look at that and compare it to a neurotypical response to the same stimulus superpower is not a terrible term i think the super is the part that i find condescending yeah i think you know if, if, if you said if you just went super to somebody after they'd said something really complicated and and, and necessary they'd feel pretty condescended, yeah. right? But calling it a power, saying you have an ability, that's a different story. Yeah, I like that better. That I feel is, yeah. Yeah, like, probably hyper-focus, and essentially when I see somebody, I can see their character right away. Yeah, like... When I meet somebody yeah, I, for the first time, a lot of people, it takes yeah. time to get to know somebody and, like, really trust or understand someone. I can usually tell right away if I'm going to, like, connect with this person or not. It, it's And it's not something that neurotypicals can do very, very easily. So, when you know, when I get into that type of situation and I go, yeah, that person gives me really strange vibes neurotypicals kind of look at me and go that's kind of judgy isn't it yes but it's my it's like my my alarm yeah. system my body's alarm system going hmm something's off right or something yeah. something about this person is awesome right like it, it's those things and it's not always negative in fact 90 yeah. percent of the time it's not negative because i meet a lot of amazing people because of that because i get to immediately see that oh this person has a really interesting mind or this person is very complex this person is very data driven you know things like that and i'm a teacher like that works really well for me because i can understand how people work a little bit better and kind of help them learn in their way because of that so you know Ooh. that that really helps me as a person so you know that's an, another one that i would say is an ability for us that we we can really gauge people very very well. 
Yeah, well, I mean, one of my one of my friends, I met him, what ten years ago, and after a three hour car ride, I just knew. I was like, this guy's gonna be my friend forever. We've been friends ten years. Same with my <laughs> wife. We spent one evening together, and that was seven years ago. We've been together ever since because I think yeah, once once you once you let that alarm system guide you, and your brain goes, this person is a green light. I couldn't tell you why just yet. It's been four seconds but this person's a green light i just know it that ability to figure out who to keep and who to walk away from it it, if you listen to that system because i never used to but if you listen to that system um it can save you a lot of heartache very quickly honestly yeah like for me even meeting my wife like right from the beginning like we actually met at work, which is even even funnier. But you know, we met at work, and right from the get go, I like I was as a kid extremely shy. I'm not shy anymore, really. Like, well, I am still, but it's situational. But mm-hmm. you know, as a teen and a young adult, I was still very shy and reserved. So I struggled with you know even that simple like, hey, do you want to go have coffee or anything like? It, struggle even to say it just in conversation because it's not natural mm-hmm. in that way and I never had the I don't, I don't like using the word mental capacity but I didn't have the capacity to bring myself to ask those questions because I was so shy and actually finding out after that she asked a friend to get my number so that we could chat and kind of you know you know kind of mingle and meet and that kind of thing and literally we had we had one date we met for actually a like a drinking party it was just kind of like you know a a fun time and we had some drinks and she brought her friends we we all had a great time at the end of that basically like I think we had one more date after that and I never left her side like Mm -hmm. I just I knew right away that I'm not letting this person go like it's it's not going to happen so you know it's one of those things where we can we can really tell people's character very very quite distinguishably from other people it's it's kind well, of a really cool ability of data it's so sudden it's so subconscious but we don't we don't seem to have bandwidth for airs and graces we just mm-hmm. go this is it this is this is what we're going to do. This is what this person is making me feel, and this is how I'm going to adapt to that. And you you've already made that decision, and they're like slow motion putting their hand out to shake your hand. <laughs> already processed everything, and you're like, "Am I going to shake this person's hand or not? Is yep. this a good person?" Now, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt, <laughs> which I learned the hard way. Um, so I'll let them talk a little bit because I also think that our brains are interpreting speech not only what you're saying but what you're not saying right and I think, uh, while i can't control it none of us can i think we are becoming more and more aware of it which is why you see a lot of videos talking about how people with adhd are like kryptonite to narcissists because we've already figured it we already yeah. know now that's not a foolproof system don't don't go around thinking you've found a narcissist when you haven't and vice versa but if somebody makes you feel uncomfortable three words in, 
there's probably a reason for it. I, you know, people you would have called that your gut or your yeah. instinct, but the reality is that we are walking flesh bags powered by a supercomputer, and that supercomputer is actually pretty good. So yeah, I think with a lot of those situations, if you feel ecstatic after two sentences, this is probably your new friend. If you feel uncomfortable after two sentences, this is probably the last time you're going to spend time with that person. Yeah. And like, that's another thing too, is like, okay, now so many other parts of ADHD come into play now and I go, okay, am I being impulsive? Right. And it's like, okay, well, yes, kind of, but it's because the intuition or, you know, that, that other gut feeling is there that you're kind of mixing them together now. And that's why I, I do use the term, I was using superpower, but I'll use ability now because I like that term a lot better. But it's kind of like that ability to distinguish the two now. Yes, I know I'm being impulsive, but is there a reason for it? You know, yeah. and you you give yourself that two-step process to, to continue. What's very important to remember, and I think, you know, people don't talk about this enough. Because ADHD is hereditary, ADHD, autism, etc. They're hereditary conditions, which means we got them from our parents, who got them from their parents, who got them from... Okay, so if you imagine human evolution from ape to man and onwards, ape to human, sorry, I don't mean to be very gender-specific there, ape to human and onwards, the people currently walking the earth are the descendants who survived which means that something about ADHD is useful to survive in, let's say, the current world, but in any of them, because we are literally the bloodlines of cavemen who made it. So those cavemen had ADHD. They had survival tactics built into their brains. We are now trying to live with those same survival tactics in a world that no longer requires that level of survival awareness. So yep. when your intuition kicks in and you think, am I being a little bit too judgy? That person's a tiger and your ancestors ran away from tigers. So right. maybe you should too. You are the descendants of the ones who made the right decisions. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. Right. And actually uh, it, to that end, that same analogy of, you know, we were the cavemen that, you know, kind of, kind of won. Uh, I heard, I was listening to a, another podcast and I don't even remember which podcast it was now, but talking about as cave people, the ADHDers were the ones that stayed up late. Mm -hmm. We were the, we were the watch guards, right? We were the ones making sure everybody was safe because we were more prone to be night owls. We were more prone mm -hmm. to be you know, outside of the box thinkers, hunters, right? Gatherers <laughs> for the group. So obviously there's a reason even now in this world that we're, you know, that we're still surviving, right? In, as it were, because we were, we're obviously useful to, to the population. Otherwise we wouldn't have survived this long. So it's about, it's still about that research and finding out why, like, I don't, I don't really grasp that too much in terms of like the intuition and things like that. It definitely makes sense because without that intuition, you definitely wouldn't survive that long. But yeah. you know, things like that are, are things that I always interest me for like research purposes and like finding out more about, you know, what, 
what makes us tick as as ADHDers. Yeah, well, I'm the descendant of the apes that made it. Yeah. So I'm going to take that as a positive and say, well, if they used these same traits and abilities to make it this far, I should probably do the same. Yeah, and, like, to me, it's, like, almost be proud of it, right? Like, a lot of people, because they're still... I don't want to say new to ADHD, but they're still learning about their ADHD and they, they find that they're like, oh my God, how do I have this? Like, this is such a, you know, a terrible thing to have. And don't get me wrong. There's, there, like I said, there are negatives. Yeah. It's not, not everything is positive about it, but at the same time, that positivity of thinking, you know what, this, it's a good thing because, you know, X, Y, Z things have happened to me. If you didn't have it, those things may not have happened to you, right? Like for you, Greg, as an example, you, you know, having your, your channel and all these things, if you didn't have ADHD, would you really have a TikTok channel? What would I be talking about, really? Like right. at the end of the day, like I don't think I'm all that interesting, but <laughs> I have ADHD awareness, right? So, But then, yeah, it's it's that element of going, well, yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. It sucks. Existence is pain. I understand that, but... <laughs> This it's 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 not a sort of you know buck up and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's not really the message here, but it's more a case of okay, you have ADHD and that's rough. So what are you going to do about it? Because you got to do something. Nobody can just stand still. That's not who we are. So yes, it will be a struggle, and I don't want to take that away from anybody or feel like I'm taking that away from anybody. I'm not. It's your life. Live it. But live it in whatever form that takes, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's hard and I will never pretend that it isn't. And I will never put videos on my channel and say, everything's great. It isn't. It's difficult being alive, Yeah. but fuck, is it worth it? You strip back all the politics, all the nonsense, and just think about the sheer ridiculous possibility that you exist at all like shit like go do something anything like hell go watch tv i don't care but do something because we we could very easily get crippled by this and i don't think i think that would be a waste of the things that every unique human being can offer yeah and i I was going to use the word gift but, you know, it, because of the negatives, it's not always. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like using the word, don't waste your gift, right? Don't waste <laughs> the knowledge that you have that others don't. Because yeah. all, you know, like in, in terms of ADHDers as a whole, we have something that others don't. And we mm. can educate those people on that. And help them understand us better because let's be honest right now, not everybody understands us. Not everybody sees us or sees us the same way, right? Yeah. So, but, you know, that's something we'll we'll carry on in another episode of, about, but um, it's definitely a subject worth revisiting. Mm, absolutely. All right, let's wrap this episode up with one last question. And it's realistically a a pretty short question, but it's almost obvious at this point. Okay. How important 
is community or support groups for someone with ADHD? It, in many cases, is literally life-saving. To know that you are not alone is so important because we can't be alone. Human beings are not supposed to be alone. The lone wolf dies. No man is an island. You know, all of those phrases, they're true. We are communities. No singular human being made it this far. And anybody who tells you different clearly doesn't understand the effect of other people. Um, I think having a community, especially if you are marginalized in any way in this day and age, and I don't want to go too deep into politics, but if you have a marginalized protected trait, in this case, neurodivergency, it is very important to find your people because my, my therapist said something interesting to me and I, it, it stuck with me and it's, it's, it sounds dismissive, but it's not how it was intended. Your, she said, your pain is not unique in the best way possible. You're not special in as much as you are not the only person who has ever felt this. And if you are currently feeling this, Someone else out there can tell you how to not feel it anymore, how to how to rise above. And in that, that that's what she means of like, you're not special in a good way because yeah. you haven't found this specific unheard of trauma or pain. Yeah. Someone has it and they can help you. They can help you get more, get better, get get healed from this particular pain. And I think that's that's what communities do. That's what the support of of people like you does is it it makes you realize that you don't have the real estate on this particular trauma but it is still valid but there are people who will help you overcome it or at least live with it you know and i think that's that's super important i think yeah i think it's important that these communities keep going it's important that we keep doing stuff like this so that someone somewhere who is having the worst time hears a voice and goes damn it, that's awesome. I'm going to go talk to that person. I'm going to, I'm going to step away from the edge, if it, you know, as it were, and live. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what, what knowledge uh, to, you know, to instill on the podcast on the last little bit of just that, that little tidbit, you know, that could really help somebody that's really struggling right now, um, especially if you've never been in therapy or any of that kind of stuff. And, Maybe now you're thinking about it because of that exact thing that Greg just said, you know, like you're not special in a good way, right? You're not the only person that has ever felt the way you feel. And that's a good thing because that means that there's somebody out there that can help you with that feeling, whether it's getting through it, getting over it, going under it, whatever, right? You're getting through the obstacle in some way or fashion and that's what the community is all about. And, you know, wrapping up this episode, in terms of community, the way I see it is, and this has always been something that's been told to me, um, even at a younger age when I knew that I had ADHD, was we tend to find each other. We tend to really huddle together and, and you know, find each other in different places. Even in school, my friends that I had, you know, they all had divergence of some kind. 
I wasn't, I wasn't friends with a lot of quote unquote normal people because I just didn't understand them that, that well. Like I got along with my, my friends because they spoke me, they spoke the ADHD, as I like to call it. They, they knew how to communicate with me without, you know, patronizing me or, you know, we say marginalizing as well. Like, you, you know, you're, you're putting me in a corner saying, oh, well, you have ADHD. I don't want to talk to you. Right. Like that's some of the kids back then. Right. Everybody thought you were just a weirdo and, you know, they didn't understand you. So they just shunned you basically. Yeah. But Greg, thank you so much for being here for episode one of Mind Mastery Education. It's been a blast. And I look forward to talking to you again on episode two. Sweet.